Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mino Lion Media presents Business First. Hi, all, and welcome to a new episode of Business First with Sonia Aline. I am your host. And today we have with us a master uh, brander, Tyrese J. Johnson, owner of the Belvedere Agency. Welcome, Tyrese. Thank you so much for having me, Sonia. How are you today? Amazing, amazing. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well and excited for us to talk about your expertise and your background. One of the conversations that we had offline was about, you know, how much, you know, the industry has changed around things like, you know, content development, marketing, branding, even sales. Like years ago, those were all really distinct disciplines. Mm -hmm. And in in larger companies, you know, sometimes the paths didn't even cross. Like they Mm -hmm. were, they had their own sections. And today... All of that has been blended. All of that kind of melds together. And so what you do really well is helping clients to understand how they can create these brands, create strong brands, implementing all of these disciplines for themselves. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Absolutely. To your point, I think uh, one of the reasons why companies have kind of merged these marketing and sales departments along with branding is it was really genius for the companies because it's a way to save money is you just have all of this in-house and you have maybe, you know, three or four people doing it or one lead doing it. So it makes sense as opposed to having four different departments, one doing sales, one doing marketing, branding, and so forth. And so what happens today, particularly with technology and, and particularly with social media, so we're Whereas you had experts who were in charge of doing all of these things. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of small businesses are really trying to figure it out on their own. Mm-hmm. And so what is it that they should be looking for when they select someone like your company? I mean, when, when people come to you and say, I need help with my brand. I mean, do people even know exactly what they need help with or that they or they know enough that I need a strong <laughs> brand to be out there right. and I need someone to help me figure out what all of that means? Right. We get a number of type of clients that come to us. One type of client that comes to us are those that are looking for, they looking for brand development because they have a product or they have an idea and they want us to kind of help them develop it and then ultimately take it to the market. The other type of client that comes to us are those clients that have an established brand already, and they're trying to reach a different audience or they're trying to grow their brand in a different way. And to your point, you know, social media and online is where a lot of traffic is now. And it's a lot dependent upon what your product is and the age group it is, then that determines whether you maybe take more so to Instagram or to Facebook or to these various types of media. And then also, as we know, with the recent pandemic, a lot of people are shopping online. So it's really important for all brands, whether you have an an e-commerce site or something like that, or you just have a service in a different way, that you have a presence online because that's where people are finding you and they're finding testimonials and reviews. And so we kind of help people do that, figure that part out. I also noticed that you, which I thought was interesting, that you have you have a, a range of clients, but you also have a lot of doctors. And so it's interesting that a number of people in the professional services, I don't know if they always think about that, that mm-hmm. professional services also need branding. Say that again <laughs> one more time loudly so they hear you. <laughs> 
That is so true. Um, because I think that they just figure, you know, if you need a doctor, right, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll know, or a particular doctor, you'll know exactly where to go. But right. everyone's shopping for everything these they days. For everything. Mm-hmm. All right. That was honestly, you know, Asani, that was my secret sauce. As when I came up um, grad school and I started doing PR, you know, for some smaller boutiques and some larger, I realized we did everything from green technology to fashion and all these different things to liquor brands. But what I realized is that there was market that was being underserved. And that was people like these with these professional services, doctors, plastic and cosmetic surgeons and dentists and all these other things where they had these services, but they didn't have publicists that were doing these things. And these were people that obviously can afford PR and they wanted to grow their brands and their practices, private or, you know, larger practices. And so that became my niche. I said, hey, you know what? No one is serving this population. And so I wanted to go into professional services. So yes, you're right. So was that was that a hard sell for them? All of them knew that they wanted to reach a larger audience and, you know, specifically plastic surgery because it was a taboo for so long. Like I've been doing this now um, for on my own for 10 years and five years previous to that, prior to that. But it was for a long time, t- uh, plastic surgery was a taboo. And so people always talked about what they didn't want to look like. So we had to, that's part of branding is to redefine what the consumer looked at plastic surgery and to know that all procedures weren't necessarily surgical, but some of them were non-surgical. So doing things like that, that's that's all a part of the branding strategy, but repositioning them and then making it more appealing to a vaster audience. That's so true. You know, a friend of mine and I were talking um, just the other day and we were saying, you know, plastic surgery used to be something that only celebrities mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. And, and nobody really talked about it. You could no just, one. you know, you would just watch the gossip pages <laughs> and they would, you know, they would, they would have some doctor talk about who they thought was doing what. But because of the education, right, mm-hmm. because we know so much more about it, it has become accessible to yes. a lot of people. And so I didn't think about that until you just said it, but it is, it has a lot to do with the with branding like we talk about it a lot mm-hmm. differently we know a lot more and so it's become accessible to Absolutely. a lot of people D- do your clients have those kind of aha moments as well they do. i'm sure they that's fascinating for you yeah <laughs> some of them do and then others you have that just love the limelight like i have this one specific client he um he almost thinks he's like the dr 90210 so he loves the idea of reality tv he loves the idea of working with celebrities and showing off like oh yeah i did this first and because plastic surgery is not what it used to be when plastic surgery was very noticeable. If you remember in the late 80s, early 90s, it was very noticeable. Well, now, as you said, people are getting injectables and fillers and all different types of types of things. This is regulars having a gym membership. And the key to a great plastic surgeon is that you can't really tell the work. You're like, oh, it looks like you. And so, yeah, doctors want to show that off. They want to say, yeah, I work with this celebrity. I work with that person. So it's not really a hard sell. And they do. You have those that just love the attention. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned about, you know, working in PR previously, but I'd like you to go back to the beginning because you actually mm-hmm. do have an interesting background where it's easy to see how you've been able to use all of your background to be able to okay. create um, this agency. But you started in journalism, right? I started in journalism. Yes. So my educational background undergrad was journalism, broadcast journalism and public relations. And um, so I did that at Mouse College and um, I immediately started working for ABC, the ABC affiliate in my area. So I did do 
news. We did production. I did producing and all those types of things. As I told you, I kind of had a problem with the way the stories, particularly for men of color, were being told in the news. And I knew the only way to reshape that story was by doing station management or news management. So I found a program at Morgan State University, which specialized in putting minorities in those seats. And I went there uh, to get my master's degree in systems management. And while doing that, I did a public relations internship and fell in love with it. And this is the thing that I think the connection between broadcast and with PR is one side is covering the news. The other side is pitching various news stories for coverage, whether it's for a client or whatever. And so once I saw the other side, it became very easy for me to say, hey, I know what's newsworthy. I know what grabs their attention. I can position clients in a way that they will cover them. And I know what their brand should be. So that just made it. I didn't think I would do it as soon as I would. So I said, well, you know, this will come down the line. You know, I'll create a PR agency. But before I knew it, I had um, kind of worked myself out of a job because I had so much experience in terms of PR and, and so much education that no one wants to bring you in at an entry level. And then, you know, the pay wasn't the greatest. I ended up creating my own agency and pulling all of those tools together, as you said. So did the agency start off as a PR agency? Always started off as a full service PR agency. We've been there for 10 years. Uh, I knew that was what I wanted to do after getting the systems management degree. And um, I knew that the wave of media and branding a whole uh, was going, first of all, it was melting with um, marketing and all those different pieces. But I knew that the new wave was going to be online. And so I went to NYU and got a second master's in integrated digital media because I felt that it was going to be important to know how to um, use various softwares and developing logos and graphics and to be able to code a website and do all of those various pieces because that was the new way. So to pair that with the PR background made the, you know, perfect storm for me to create this uh, PR agency. One of the things that you offer um, that's on your website is also crisis management. And I thought that was um, interesting. That's a fun, expensive think... part. <laughs> that's a fun, expensive part. <laughs> Nobody thinks about crisis, right? Until it actually happens. Until they're in it. Uh-huh. And they have yeah. to pay a lot of money to get out of it. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, so was that something that you realized from the very beginning that this needed to be a part of, of what we offer? And was it based on some of your experiences or was it based on just your background and your education in, um, in, in what full branding looks like? Right. Well, to be very honest with you, um, crisis management is one of those subjects you kind of talk about, but it's not something that they focus on really, really heavily and, you know, in the, in the classroom anyway. And so I knew about crisis management. I had seen it a number of times with, um, like with Pepsi, I think in the 93 and with Tylenol in the late 80s and with yeah. Texaco with the race, um, the scandal. So I had seen it before. And even with the Clintons, I had seen great PR spin stories and to go in and obviously to have a strategy of what you're going to say in-house, what you're going to say. So I had seen that before. So I was familiar with it and I felt like I knew how to do it. But it was not until my first experience with a client and I was thrown into a crisis management. I said, yeah, this is a service that we need to really hone in on and we need to share with people that we're offering this service because... No matter who you are, um, if you have a business, you have to kind of forecast for the day that something happens that's out of your control even sometimes that will happen. And then how do you sustain your business and your brand through that? How do you, how do you maintain your reputation or how do you recover from that? And so it's just something that I felt that all people would eventually need, whether they came to us for that or if, you know, we want, we're doing putting things in preventative things in um, action so that, you know, we can kind of avoid them if possible. So to answer your question, just make sure I answer your question fully. It wasn't something that we started out with. 
But then I realized shortly in that we needed to focus more on it. We could probably do an entire show on on how people may not be properly handling um, God, crisis that's okay. going on yes. right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what did what would you say? And, and I, I'm sure you're fascinated by some of the things that are actually going on mm-hmm. um, in the news currently. As you're watching, you know how people are handling um, certain situations. What would you recommend for um, for 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 small businesses who don't have the the celebrity status? And in terms of like how like what are some of these people really doing wrong in terms of you know they have they have you know high priced lawyers, they have mm-hmm. um, multiple publicists, and mm-hmm. you know some of the things you know just some of them are just handled really, really poorly, poorly. Um, yes, where, right. you know, where they have to keep coming back and, 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 you know, and renouncing some correcting uh-huh. information. Uh-huh. Like what is it that people do wrong in terms of correcting a, a bad situation? Right. Um, a couple things. That was a loaded question. There are a couple yeah. things. Uh, there are people like, I'll give you two examples that I love what they were doing, but I think everyone is trying to do this and it doesn't work out for them as well. I remember when, uh, former president Barack Obama was running for, uh, office the first time. One of the things that they did is they always got in front of the story, no matter what happened, and they addressed everything. I mean, obviously, if it was low-lying fruit, they didn't address it. But for the most part, they got out there and they addressed everything. Another person on a different level was Cardi B. She came from the reality world. And every time there was something that was said about her, she would jump on Instagram and she would say something. And although it was kind of, it seemed very brash, and she mm-hmm. stayed ahead of it. And she's been able to maintain a brand, whatever that is. Here's the thing that I think for businesses that are neither in politics or entertainment in that way that I think is happening, that they're doing wrong. You got to make sure that when you're going to hire a publicist, that you're hiring someone that is equally as invested in your brand as you are, that has a reputation that speaks for itself. And most of all, that they are credentialed in what they're doing. That if something happens, that they're going to put together strategies that are really going to help you sustain and grow your brand. And a lot of times what has happened over the last maybe eight to nine years is that being a publicist or doing PR, people almost think of that as just being a handler or it's a sexy or a manager of sorts for celebrities and for different brands. And that's not it. You really have to know marketing. You really have to know public relations and you have to know how to put together strategies to grow these brands. And so I think making sure that your publicist is credentialed and that they have a background in it is the first part. And the last part is understanding what your messaging is. And so when I sit down with clients, and that's what I mean by being invested I want to know what my client's message is. I want to know what their audience is. We're helping them craft that. And my clients aren't taken to social media themselves. That's our agency doing that on their behalf. So then they don't have to retract things because it's very thought out and it's strategic. You know, everything that we're laying out in the message that if it's going to the public, it has come across our desk first. So I think that that would help you, you know, to not have to recant and go back with these different stories because you have it filtered through your agency. You know, talk a little bit about, um, you know, people who are managing their own uh, social media and and uh-huh. what they should be thinking about as they um, as they put messages out there. Uh-huh. A lot of times they have to recant things because uh-huh. they don't know the source or they didn't know the connection of the source. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. So you know, talk a little bit about what things people should be mindful of as they because sometimes you might see something on someone else's page and go, oh, that's cute or that's sexy, and I'd like oh, to yeah. add it. Uh, That's the age we're in. No one, no one wants to go get references, and they they just think it's funny or it's cute, or they go with it, and that gets us in a lot of trouble. We see that in the last election, just reposting information that you don't know is true. I think for me, here's the number one thing I think about with social media. They always there used to be a saying. They say, "Say it, 
forget it, write it, regret it. I look at social media as something that lives forever. You know, how many times have we seen where celebrities have posted an opinion, you know, in the midnight hour about a subject or they've chimed in on something on Twitter only to later become famous or create a brand. And then that tweet comes back and bites them in the rear end. You understand? And so I always think when you put something out, my advice to anyone, regardless of your brand, if you're going to put something out on social media, think about it and be sure that it will stand the test of time and that you can stand behind that opinion. Think about the things. Don't just take every thought and put every thought that you have does not belong to the world. And so think like that when you're approaching social media. And then if you're going to repost someone else's thought, make sure that you can stand behind that or at least make sure at bare minimally, make sure that it's true. (laughs) (laughs) And I know, you know, I I don't respond a lot on social media. I could probably count on one hand the times that, but if I tell you how painstaking that is for me, Uh I will write and then delete and write and delete and then I'll research something. Sounds like a woman that sounds like a woman that won't be in trouble. But it because it's true. It's like yes. if, if you were trying to build your own personal brand, right? Mm-hmm. I think about that every time. It's like if I put something out there, just and I hadn't articulated it the way you did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like if someone were to come back and say, you wrote X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I, I should be able to say, yes, I did. And this is what I meant. And, right. and yeah, and I'm okay. And listen, we're human. At the is. end of the day, we're human yeah. and we evolve, right? And yeah. so it may be something that you may say, you can later say, you know what? That is definitely who I was in that space. I'm someone different now and that's okay. But just make sure it's something that you can explain. I don't like, I'm so how often have we heard people say racist things or things against certain communities that just were hateful and ugly. And then later you can't, you want to come back and say, well, now I feel differently, but the sting of that is there. You know, that's much different than, you know, saying something, you know, uh, what's your opinion and then saying, hey, well, I have a different opinion now. That's easier to recant than it is to say something that's harmful to a group or to an individual. So uh, another thing to this point while I'm thinking about it is when celebrities do things or specifically around religious or political topics, I don't chime in on them publicly. <laughs> you know, I encourage uh, my clients not to do so either, unless it's for cause, like um, like things that I think like, you know, pray for Louisiana or Black Lives Matter, you know, supporting various cause. I think that's one thing because that's a position that you've chosen to do. But then to go in and to say things about people politically, so I say, never, stay, stay away from that. Um, you know, the, the reason that branding and, and, and um, marketing and, and all of these disciplines are important is because at the end of the day, people want to be able to sell their products and and their services. Yes. And so how are you able to have people understand the correlation between, mm-hmm. you know, the messages that they put out and the, the end result, you know, the sale, mm-hmm. like how you get right. the, how you get the sale? Right. Well, this is the thing. I think at the end of the day, you're to your right, to your point, everyone wants to see their ROI, their return on their investment. So if they're going to pay me X amount of dollars a month, they want to see how they're going to recoup that money plus. So here's how we're able to show that. Okay. So if my plastic surgeon, if he's charging eight thousand to ten thousand dollars for a rhinoplasty, I get him into the new, let's just say the Wall Street Journal or the New York Post or a Cosmo magazine. Actually, he's been in those. So Cosmo magazine. Now millions of people have seen him. If five people 
come to him, he's made his money back. If five, which I'm sure if you're in some place like Cosmo or Time or something like that, more than five people inquire about you, then you see your return on your money. So that's worth paying X amount of dollars to me because now you've got, anytime I put you on TV and I'm putting you before millions of people, now more people know your brand. They know your name. And the more they see you, they recognize you. So it becomes, it's almost that thing of, in a sense, branding is what it is. Because after you see something like a commercial six times, or they say a name seven times on a commercial or three times, you remember it. So every time we have our clients in the public's eye, and whether that's print, online, or on broadcast, people start to recognize that brand, reference it back to that message, and they um, pull it back to that message that we're putting out. And then they come in there, shop their services. That's generally the overview of how we kind of sell what we're doing to them. And then other people, they just want brand recognition in another way. Like if it's an author and they're selling a book, they just want their book taken to the masses. They want it before as many people as possible. And they know that Uh, we have the the skills to do that. I had found um, something on your social media that I thought was interesting mm-hmm. is that you said 80% should be information and 20% should be sales. And I thought that was, that was great because I yes. think even for myself, mm-hmm. I always think that you've got to put everything no. out there. And so no. I thought it was interesting that the, but information is good. So I love that you said 80% of information and 20% is sales. Could you just break down that equation for the audience, please? Yes. Okay, so here's the thing. When we're going, we all go to social media to be entertained. That's where we go there. We go there and you know, it's almost like a vortex. Sometimes you go in and you get sucked in, you click on this person's page and then you're another place, but you're going because vivid imagery or videos and things that are entertaining you that, you know, pique your curiosity or entertain you. So here's the thing. No one wants to follow you if you're selling something to them all the time. If every post is about buy this, this has just come out, book this. They want to feel like they're getting something for free. So if you're telling them things and you're giving them wisdom or knowledge for free, or you're entertaining them, they're going to follow you. That's their incentive for following you. And then they're going to say, hey, I want to buy into this because we're all following you for because you're inspirational or you're entertaining. And so once you do that, if I see that you're entertaining. I see all this great work that just I'm using the sector that I work with plastic surgeons a lot here. But if I'm showing the procedures and the before and after, that's entertaining. I want to watch that. And then every now and again, I say, hey, um, book your appointment today, 50% off. People are going to want to join and buy into that. So that's why I always say 80% information, 20% sales. So what is next for, for, for Tyrese Johnson and for the, the Belvedere agency? And are, are, are those separate goals or um, joint goals? They are definitely separate goals. Um, one of the things that PR is my passion. It's what my educational background is. And, and for some reason, I call it my ministry too, because I get to help people daily find what they really want to do, what they're passion is and to connect that with their profession. And I like to think that that sweet spot is called purpose. So once you get where you're really passionate and the thing that you will do for free every day, and you're able to get a profit off of that and make that your profession, I think that that's just your purpose, right? And so I get to do that. And that in itself is my purpose because I get to do this and to be paid for it. So the Belvedere Agency will always be here. We have an office in New York. We are now in D.C. I'm thinking of maybe one more office. I'm not sure if we're going to go back to Atlanta or if we're going to do West Coast, but I like just the New York and the Washington, D.C. offices. I think that those have suited us fine right now. And I'm also the type of guy that likes to micromanage and have my hands on every client (laughs) that comes through my office. Doesn't matter who's working with them. I want to work with them as well. So that's that part. But I do have a separate brand that I'm forcing myself now to brand 
Tyrese, right? And that is with a bourbon. And then there's a show, Drink Date Dance, which we're working on now, taking to TV and shopping to a different, a couple of different networks. And so we'll do that and we'll see that. But that'll be the other side. But the Belvedere Agency will always be here. Okay. So I didn't know that you had uh, an office in DC. Is that yes. to, to attract more political clients? Are you interested in working with politicians? Absolutely. Absolutely. They listen. They, again, niche marketing and understanding that these people need help. And then there were other clients also here, doctors and things like that, that had practices from New York that overflowed here. And so that was, is what brought me to the DC market. Okay. Well, then we look forward to hearing a little bit more about the uh, the personal brand. Absolutely. What you're saying is, so you're expanding into spirits and, and yes. entertaining. Is that yes. pretty much okay? So we've been doing that separately from the Belvedere Agency. We've been doing that and working on that. And so the bourbon will be complete because who knew it took that long to age bourbon? I thought it was just a civil process. The bourbon will be complete the top of 2022. Okay. So the bourbon is it's your brand of bourbon. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, and so why bourbon? Yes. Um, Well, you know what? I'm a Southern guy. My grandfather loved blues and bourbon. And so, and in his honor, I just said, you know, if I'm going to do a spirits, I want to do something like a bourbon. And and, you know, I think I've, the older I've gotten, I've moved away from like vodka to bourbon. It's my drink of choice. So yeah, that's why. Blues and bourbon. You need to TM that because that sounds <laughs> like a sexy novel or TV yes. show or movie in the yes. making. I love that. I love. Yes. So well, I'm going to look forward to that because uh, it's, the spirits industry is. Um, I don't want to say it's not an easy industry, but it's there's, there's a lot of brands out there. It is definitely saturated, but the great thing about it is we have an amazing PR uh, agency behind us. So we are going to have to have you back and talk about, because there there are not enough people of color in the spirits industry, and we consume, Mm -hmm. we are huge consumers Mm -hmm. of of spirits. And so, uh, yeah, we definitely want to celebrate you. Where can we watch the, um, the Instagram shows? The Instagram show is the uh, we go live every week, Friday, um, eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time, seven o'clock Central. And it is via my personal Instagram page, which is Sir Belvedere, S-I-R-B-E-L-V-E-D-E-R-E, Sir Belvedere. Okay, well, we are going to follow you and toast with you. I'm looking forward to it. We have a good time. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. But when you launch, we definitely want to have you back at the top of the year um, to hear how it's going and hear how this new part of your journey is actually connecting. Thank you so much for having me and I love what you're doing. Thank you. All righty. Take care. Take care. The Business First Podcast is hosted and produced by Sonia Aline. Associate producer, Ariel Mancibo. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Business First Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And on social at business underscore first underscore podcast on IG. The Business First Podcast is a mean old line media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.